You're listening to the Spooky and Strange Canadian Bushcraft Podcast with your horrifying host, Caleb Musgrave. Welcome and happy Halloween. Hello, Dragonfly Nation. This is episode two of the Canadian Bushcraft Podcast's very special Halloween series. I am joined by Nikki Satir from Earth Path, as well as our two other guests, Rye the Adventure Guy Moffat. Hello. <laughs> and Emily from Canadian Bushcraft. So we are here to talk about another mystery, uh, mystery that has happened in the outdoors, but this time it is involving tourists from another nation, from a whole other hemisphere, going to a new place and sadly dying. Yeah. Or at least we think. I don't no, know. No, definitely, definitely dead. Definitely yeah. dead. Okay. I have no idea about this story at all. I kept myself completely in the dark on this one because I want to be <laughs> told a story. Okay. So this has happened in 2014. This is a really 2014, recent one. 2014, yeah. Our previous episode was about 1959. This happened only six years ago in our time at this current time frame. Mm-hmm. So the, the they're originally from the Netherlands. Yeah. They go to Panama. I'll, yeah. I'll Let's hear this yeah. story. Uh, the this story is commonly called the Lost Hikers of Panama. So that's the <laughs> the title. It, it I guess. wants to Google. Yeah. <laughs> so first, I want to like preface this by saying this story really messed me up for a long time. I spent three months listening to hundreds of different podcasts. I read articles that I had to pay for <laughs> to actually get information. I don't even watch the new Mulan because yeah, I no, on I have, Disney Plus. I have no idea why it disturbed me so much, but it really did. Um, just that it can all easily be explained. However, there are things about this story that are just so unexplainable and eerie to say the least so <laughs> well i think like the two hikers are so much like just normal everyday people doing normal everyday things like we talked about Dyatlov pass and those are all like really hardcore experienced bush people doing like an insanely intense super hard trip in an like, extremely remote area where yeah. there's no rescue like how many of us are going to do this but all of us have been on a day hike and all mm. of us are going to go on day hikes yeah so Chris Kremers and Lizanne Froon from the Netherlands. Uh, Chris was 21 years old and Lizanne was 22 years old. They were both awesome, beautiful young women who had, you know, wanted to take a break from university and, and go traveling and experience the world. So they wanted to go to Panama and volunteer with children and learn Spanish and just enjoy everything. And so... They stayed in a small town in Panama called Boqueta. I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Do you know spelled? that town? B-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E. Boqueta, yeah. Boqueta, yeah. So actually when they got there, there was a little mix up. So they arrived at the place that they were supposed to be volunteering at. And the the principal or, or the leader of the organization there was like, you're not supposed to come for another week or we're not ready for you. I don't know. The information's a little bit mixed there. However, they found themselves with like an extra week to go and tour Boqueta. So they decided they wanted to hike the La Pianista Trail, which is called La Pianista because it's called the piano because of the way the trail is. It kind of goes up like stairs. 
and it's really beautiful. It starts um, really low in the forest and then kind of goes up to kind of like the, a mountaintop, I guess. It's actually on the Continental Divide. It too. is on the so Continental it's a, Divide. It's a really like well, that's Panama, yeah. 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 geologically and beautiful, significant yeah. spot. You're right between South and North America. So you're mm-hmm. where they connected millions of years ago. South and Central Americas. <laughs> Central America is technically its own like uh, connection of the area. It's more of like that strait of land between the two. Um, it's the two continents of North and South, and then Central America is just everything kind of in between, mashed together, including Panama. Yeah. Yeah. So they decided to do this trail, and they had brunch in Boqueta, where they actually met a couple of Dutch people there and had brunch with them. And then they took a taxi with their host. So they had a host family they were staying with. Mm-hmm. And the host dog they took with them on the hike. And his name was Blue. I feel at this point we should also make clear the dog is okay, people. <laughs> Thank God. Don't, don't, don't bad, do that to me. Podcast nothing over. bad happens to the we dog. We get canceled. We get canceled. <laughs> My rule on this podcast from now on, just make sure it's clear for you and our viewers or listeners. We do not talk about dead dogs ever since the Bush Talk episode. That mm. broke my heart to talk about that. So yeah. if you're going to tell me a story on this, the dog better live. I don't care about the cat. I don't care about the parrot. I don't care about the, the, the scorpion in the box. The dog better live, though. All right? Mm-hmm. Continue, yeah. please. It's actually funny. Someone actually messaged me saying that that, that episode made them cry a lot. <laughs> that was Tatiana from Pine Office. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> So they actually met a tour guide and they didn't like his vibe. He offered to take them up the La Pinista Trail. They didn't like his vibe. So they decided, okay, we're going to go with him. I don't remember what they were doing. I think they were going to go the next day to go picking some fruits or tour, something. some I kind think, of thing. Like, he offered to take them to his ranch or something. Oh, yeah, it was his ranch. Yeah, because he lived in the bush just like off the trail. But he was a creeper. He was a creeper. But he also is instrumental in the search for them. So, yeah. <laughs> As many bad people do. Yeah. So they go up and hike this trail and no one ever hears from them again. So the next day, that tour guide that they had booked that trip with, he actually didn't hear from the girls. So he was like, something's wrong. So he went to their host family's house and was like, what's up? <laughs> Where are they? And so kind of red flags went up and then they started realizing, okay, maybe they're lost in the last location that we they were known to be going was La Pinista Trail. Because I think actually also the dog like showed up on its own, like they didn't come back, but the yeah. dog did. Yeah. He yeah. just sort of showed up like, hey, where's my dinner? Mm-hmm. So they send out search parties. They're out there for, I think like 12 to 14 days looking for the girls no sign of them a few months later um a local woman tending her rice paddy um just nearby where the trail is says uh, the village was alto romero thank you in bocas del toro yeah <laughs> and she finds a backpack on a next to her rice paddy that is dry I just want to make that really important point. It was set down. So inside the backpack, there was both the girls' phones. There was a camera. There was sunglasses, bikinis, or bras, I think. I saw two bras. And like $80 in American in cash. 
American. Yeah. So they're from the Netherlands. They went to Panama. They, yeah, I don't. Well, Panama has a lot of connections with America. Yeah, a lot of places yeah. down there except yeah. America. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. So I'm getting chills now. <laughs> this is where the story gets really spooky, because the they had known the locals had known about the missing girls, so they actually took the backpack to the police, and so the police took the backpack and took the camera, and on the camera. They found some really interesting information. They also found really interesting information on the phones. Mm -hmm. So first of all, the camera had, Emily, if you can see the number there, there was like 80 something black there photos. Were a lot of the, well, the first photos were really of them much. on the top of the divide. So. Yeah, so apparently like the photos from April 1st showed the women like taking the trail they were at the overlook mm -hmm. of the continental divide and then they sort of wandered into the wilderness with no sign of anything unusual um but then like later on when they were missing is when the uh the other photos were taken so on the camera they found a bunch of photos so the first photos were them at the top of the La Pinista Trail, where they could see the divide from there. So in the photos, Chris and Lizanne were smiling and they're taking selfies. And then you see them going in the photos down a trail that is not the divide. So the thing about the trail is that the La Pinista Trail goes up and then it, you go back down. However, there is a trail that goes farther. Okay. beyond the original trail which is not a trail that is part of that you're not supposed to go down there that's what the locals use it's how they get to you know their the their, property. their properties um so it's it's generally considered a trail that is very hard to walk it's got a lot of um areas where flash floods can happen it's got a lot of like you would be bushwhacking through this area so in the photos you can see and the locals have also confirmed that they had gone farther and nobody knows to this day why they went farther they don't know if they got turned around and they just thought that that trail was the way they were supposed to go or they were like let's let's adventure further so on the cameras they show that and then there's also some speculation about um one of their faces in the photos because the last photo of them in the daytime on that first day which was april 1st you can see one of the girls i can't remember who it was i think it was chris and she's turning back at the camera and she looks really perturbed like she doesn't look like she's having a good time is that the photo mm -hmm. yeah spooky <laughs> yeah and then i can't remember the exact number of photos after those photos but the the next couple of photos were black just blackness darkness how many there's like 80 something photos that were just blackness and that was on emily do you have the date there that where all those black photos were taken april 8th so april seven 8th. days after they went missing yeah so the black photos could that be because of the uh the lens cover we'll get into it okay within those photos there's only a couple of photos that actually show images of something. So there's one photo that looks like it's been taken from the top of a bank looking down. So you can see a lot of plant matter at the top yeah. of this area. Another photo is a picture of, I think Chris's head. Chris is the one who has red hair. 
um, Chris's head, which has blood on it. Those photos were never released to the public because of the parents' wishes. However, a uh, documentary from their home country had confirmed that that was one of the photos. So you can't actually see that photo. So blood on her head. There's also a photo of a weird stick thing. <laughs> so it's a couple of sticks like formed in the shape of a triangle with a little piece of red tape as a flag. And a couple of other photos of just like, um, like green scenery. And then apart from the camera, there was also what they saw happen on the phone calls. So the first emergency call to 911, they also had called the number for their home country's um, 911, which is like 112 or something. And that was made on April 1st at, I think, 4.39 p.m. So obviously something had happened or they had realized that they were lost on that first day because an emergency call went out at that time. But it never connected. But it never connected because they were in the bush. Right. Emily, do you have the rest of those calls? Yeah, let me pull them up. So this is really sad. So they made multiple calls to 911 on both girls' phones. So Chris had an iPhone 4. The first attempt dialing the international distress number 112 was at 440 on April 1st. Then on April 2nd, she tried again at 615. On April 3rd, she tried at 930 in the morning and then did a signal check at 4 p.m. On April 4th, she tried at 1016 to check the signal and she tried again at 142. On April 5th, she tried at 1050 and 137. Uh, on April 6th, she tried at 1026, on, but there was no pin entered. So they tried to see if they could use the phone, but they didn't actually use the pin to go in past the security, whoever used the phone. Um, and then they tried again at 137 on April 6th. And then the last calls period uh, was at 1051 on April 11th with no pin. And at 11.56 on April 11th, the phone was switched off with no further activity. Lizanne's phone, which was a Samsung Galaxy S3, uh, on April 1st, she tried to call for assistance at uh, 4.51, so like 10 minutes after uh, Chris tried. On April 2nd, she tried at 6.58 in the morning at 10.53, she tried 112 and 911. At 156, she called uh, 112 and 911. And there was a short connection before the call dropped. So she wasn't able to actually get through to a 911 operator. Uh, on April 3rd, they signed in to check their, she signed in to check her signal at 150 and 420. There was no activity on her phone on April 4th. And the last activity on her phone was on April 5th. At 4.50, she checked the signal. At 5.56, she switched it on, but the battery was dead, and there was no further activity on that phone. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about it was that at, I think it was um, April 6th, 
where Lizanne tried to get into Chris's phone and couldn't. So she did not have the pin. So that means either something had happened to Chris that she could not give the password or I don't know what else, but Lizanne could not get into the phone and Chris obviously wasn't able to get into the phone. So at that point, you know, she couldn't make any calls from that particular phone. Okay. Yeah. Now, are we going to talk about the really weird pictures? Not just the black ones, but the weird ones? I think I did. The head the, injury and the, the stick. Oh, yeah, the and head the injury sticks. and the stick. Yeah, yeah. So the, there were search parties out, I think, on the night of the 6th. And they were sending up flares. That's a really important thing to note. And a few months after they had disappeared, bones were found in the woods. And they found a shoe that still had a foot in it. And they had found part of a pelvis. And they identified the bones as bones from Chris and Lizanne. How long ago was this after... I, it was like a few months, I think, four months or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. D- d- decay would happen. Yeah. Time. The yeah. weird part was that the <coughs> the pelvis bone looked bleached, um, and looked like someone had clean. It was like completely cleaned off. Okay. Yeah, and that's all they found altogether. They only found a few bones from both of the girls. This is turns on your wolf. <laughs> and so that is basically the story. And I really want to get into theories because there are so many things that could have happened to these girls. Um, before we go into the theories, I just want to come in as someone who trains folk in wilderness survival. Ryan could buck and definitely touch on this as well. What could have been a better option than a phone? That they could have brought with them. Any satellite signaling device, uh, such as an inReach, or yeah, spot locator, spot locator. Yeah. Like that. They, if for those listening, if you're planning, yeah, EPERBs, all that kind of stuff. If you are going on an international trip, subs- pay and pay for the subscription and get an actual good international satellite-based locating device. They have systems where you hit one button and it goes off and will not shut off until either the battery dies or you're found. Mm -hmm. These kinds of things can help a lot. These kinds of things can make it so that when those cell phone calls just keep getting dropped, you hit that button and rescue's there as soon as they can reach you. Um, Would that have stopped whatever nefarious, horrible things happened to these two poor women? I don't know. But the fact that there was that many attempts at calls for that long time, one call or one signal from an EPIRB or other personal locating device could have saved their lives. Mm -hmm. Um, That being said, now that we've had that little PSA in there, anything Mm -hmm. else you could think of for that part, Ryan? Um, I I think maybe just the fact that it might not have saved them, but maybe gave some more answers. They would have been able to locate exactly where they were at the time they sent those messages so mm-hmm. i'm still like reeling from the fact that the phones were put into a backpack by a patty yeah i'm gonna get into that a little okay. bit yeah i've got questions 
I just wanted to say, like, you know, I know you talk a lot when we're instructing and on the podcast, and this is something that, you know, gets talked a lot about in hiking and everything, and I find myself slipping up on this all the time, is you're going out for a day hike so you don't pack anything. You, you know, you throw your cell phone in your purse and a water bottle mm-hmm. and a couple of uh, granola bars, and you go up for your day hike. We've all done it, and we shouldn't, because this is what happened to these two poor girls. Especially yes. in unknown terrain. Yeah. yeah. Like if I'm going to a different country, even for a day hike, I'm bringing some sort of everyday carry of equipment. Mm-hmm. I want to add something that also threw a wrench in all my theories about this, which was the fact that in the camera roll, there was a photo missing. So between the photos of them being happy and all the black photos, there was a picture that was deleted. So it's like an image 115 yeah. and image 118. Between, between the photos that were taken in the complete darkness and between the photos that were of them happy during the day on the first day on April 1st, they there was a photo that was deleted and they discovered that this photo could not have been deleted from the phone because they would have been able to recover it. It had to get manually. It had to get manually deleted from a computer. So not only that, but the backpack was found completely dry miles and miles away from where their bones were found and miles and miles away from where their last location, which they assumed from the photos because in the photos they could see an image kind of of a rope bridge. So there was like a monkey bridge. Yeah, yeah. So that was like their last known location. So this backpack was completely dry. It was down river of the Serpent River in a rice paddy with everything neatly packed inside, as well as some speculate, and I don't know if this is true or not because I've heard different sources say different things, but a pair of one of their shorts folded up neatly on a rock and placed on a rock. This is what Ryan was talking about earlier. Yeah. Ryan had brought that up. up. Yeah. Yeah. So all other sources also say that they weren't folded up. So crumbled into it's a lot of the information about this case is in spanish right so it's really or it's in spanish or it's in dutch Dutch. oh yes yes yes. so it's really hard to figure out what actually happened so i have a really good theory about what actually went on but it still doesn't explain a few important key points of the case which is why i'm getting chills right now so you want to dive into theories is what you're saying yeah i think i've told pretty much most of the story. Yeah, it's a lot shorter than the Diatlov Pass because there's yeah. more information for Diatlov. But yeah. this is more mysterious. Much more mysterious yeah. in my eyes. In yeah. one sense that mm-hmm. there's not a lot of information, not a lot of yeah. evidence. Yeah. This is a very creepy concept. This the, is like horror movie stuff. Yeah. The creepiest thing about it all is that they didn't leave goodbye messages even though they had full battery in their camera. They could have recorded a video. They had the capacity to record a video. Do you think, though, two young women like that would have had that concept of their own mortality? Another question is, like, so someone brought that stuff there. I'm going to say it right out. Somebody brought that stuff there. It's very easy to delete on a camera. And I've... we've It is. But... The 
the people who looked into the camera, like they said that the only way that that photo, because they would have been able I'm to recover it. I'm not talking about the photo. I'm talking about the goodbye message thing. Oh, okay. If that's the Maybe last that's thing on the it. reel, and that's where all the evidence is, whoop, that's gone. Yeah. Get rid of that. Mm -hmm. Don't want them telling everybody. So... Yeah. I mean, maybe they just had a survival mindset that they were going to get through this and they weren't going to waste yeah. battery life on their phones recording mm -hmm. a goodbye message. Well, I'm, I'm talking about the video on the camera. I'm not talking about the, the phones. I'm talking about the camera that was with yeah. them. Oh, yeah. The camera had capacity for a longer video or more photos. I'm saying that it's very, very easy. That's the last message to get rid of the last message with no evidence yeah. of that mm -hmm. ever existing. Mm -hmm. So what theories have been bumped around okay so this is my my theory which still cannot be fully explained but it at least covers most of the basics and it's what i want to believe in okay. the story and it's that the same night that that all those black photos were coming up was the same night that the search parties were out so i think there a lot of people have theories that they were trying to ward off a predator with the flash on the camera or even trying to signal. However, yes, I think they were trying to signal because they heard the search parties out that night. And I think in their haste to find their way, they were trying to cross the monkey bridge, which is in the photo. And I think Chris fell and hit her head and possibly died or was suffering for a while until she died, right. which is why there was a photo of her head with the blood. And then the body parts just got washed away. But it doesn't explain the pack. It doesn't explain the missing deleted thing off the camera, which they really drove home that it could not have been deleted from the camera. See, I'm the opposite way. I, I attribute a lot of malice to this case. And I absolutely think it's some kind of human intervention. And I don't know if this is a good time to go into that. Yeah, do it. So I honestly think that these two girls were murdered or at least pursued in some way. Because first of all, let's look at the profile of these two girls. You have two young ladies in an unfamiliar country. They're there to learn Spanish, so they don't have a huge facility with the language yet. They are very isolated. They have just arrived. They do not have local connections. They do not have family in the area. And they're looking to meet people. They're looking to travel. They're very vulnerable at this point. Perfect targets. Yeah, two fish out of water. They've already been approached by one guy who gave them a creepy vibe. Now, I'm not going to say it was this guy. I'm not... You know, maybe it was, maybe it wasn't, but I definitely think they were vulnerable. If you look at the actions they took, why did they leave La Pianista Trail, right? It was very clearly marked. They knew where they were going. They kept going off that trail, even when they knew it wasn't the area they were supposed to go in. And look at those two 911 calls right together on the first day. They, you know, something was up. They realized they were lost, but they kept moving, right? Now, we don't know how Panic. panicked they were, yeah. but why couldn't they backtrack? They were on a physical trail that they had followed. Something that they were afraid of something. They were worried about something. Something was keeping them from going back, right? And 
you look at the way their backpack was found. Obviously packed, moved, planted. Somebody planted that backpack there. Somebody had that backpack. It was never in a river. Like that was in a that was in a rainforest for 10 weeks and it didn't get wet. Come on. That's not how that happens, right? Decay happens super fast in a rainforest. That thing would have been in shit condition if it had been in a rainforest for 10 weeks before it was found. But no, dry, perfect. I don't know if these two girls were actually murdered or if they were just chased off the trail out of fear and sort of died as a result of that. But I absolutely think that something hinky was going on here. And we've got to like remember in Canada, we have kind of a, a policy on self-defense and everything else. And I'm not going to try and dive into any politics particularly, but there is a simple fact. In the United States of America, almost all national parks and national forests allow the carry of concealed carry weapons, even in states that do not necessarily allow concealed carry. The reason being is predators in there that are of two-legged variety. Because a lot of serial killers have been found to be particularly targeting national parks and national forests, large areas, full of wild uh, wildlife, full of wilderness, full of rough terrain where things can go missing, people can disappear, and they don't necessarily have to have a lot of evidence of what they did. And if, and if, if there wasn't any evidence, it goes to the scavengers. So there is a very good possibility of this being a two-legged predator. I definitely agree. Like you think of like national park is the perfect place to find somebody who is not connected to the area, does not know their way around the area, does not have resource is expected to be out of communication okay. for, excuse me, for a certain period of time. And it's easy to hide a body. Yeah. There was also the bones. Yeah. Mm. I'm still the, you know, some speculate that the pelvic bone could have been cleaned by insects, and that's why it was completely clean. Or but also, a lot of the experts said that it was, yeah, like it could have been sun bleached. Yeah. But a lot of the experts says it looked like it had been done with lime or lye. Lime. Lime. Yeah. Lime. Yeah. And they they also equated that to a lot of uh, drug dealers in the area using mm. lime for dissolving bodies also for processing cocaine and a yeah. lot of other stuff. Yeah. Um, and another, just to add on to what Emily said, is that, yeah, the phones were completely undamaged. Like, they did not have water damage. They were completely accessible. The camera was completely accessible. And they were found miles and miles, I think at least 12 miles as the crow flies from where their bones were found or where their, their last known location was. And they found the cash in there too. So anyone that wants to throw them off the trail that they were like taken or robbed or anything like that, they kind of left that there. If and anyone came eight, across it, oh, you find 80 bucks. Okay, sweet. It's 80, it's 80 bucks. So, A, like it's, you can put that in there, make it look like they never got robbed or anything yeah. bad happened, but yeah. it's not enough to make you lose some money. Yeah. It's 80 exactly. bucks, even yeah. in places like Panama, $80 only goes so far. Yeah. This is really like this yeah. is putting shivers down my spine this is not <laughs> what i was expecting this to be especially when you get a couple of dutch girls who are like their parents and loved ones are so far across the mm -hmm. world that they don't have a chance to really 
this is dive into investigate yeah. themselves. This is genuine isolation. Well, I do believe, I do believe their parents did come to Panama, did, and okay. that's I think something Nikki's going to touch on. Yeah, their parent. You can actually look it up on YouTube. Their parents actually filmed themselves going down the far trail. And they took a local guide with them, and there was like they were like, "There's no way they could have gotten lost, because it's a tra- it's still a trail, like it's directly in and out on the other side, unless you know we all know how hikers often get lost by venturing off the trail. So that in the photos, a lot of people said it looked like they had gone off the trail. So that's another thing to consider. And I don't know about that first emergency call. I don't know whether it was they realized they were lost or someone got hurt. Right. But we know at least that they were both capable of communicating up to a certain point because they were able to access both phones with the pins. It was several days. If one of them was injured right away, it was several days before that injured person was incapacitated enough. And I mean, if, if you and I are hiking, Nikki, and I get injured, I'm gonna tell you my pin so you can continue to access it. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a couple of questions like logistical wise about the bodies and stuff. <clears throat> Whose body or bodies were found? So it was Lizanne's foot and Chris's uh, yes. pelvis, I think. And I think altogether they found 33 bones, most of them being foot bones. Okay, and how far was this from places where they could have fell or like, what kind of what was the terrain? Is that known? Are we aware of that? Not really. I just know that they were the bones were found pretty far from um, where the last photos were believed to have been. Or is it in a river? Was it up on land? Definitely river areas. Yeah. Um, the the, this area is sort of rivers and mountains okay. along the continental divide. La Pianista Trail, I think, goes up into the mountains or towards the mountains, yeah. anyways. The flash floods were prevalent in that area. Okay, so the bodies got swept away, and that's why we're only finding parts. Yeah, and that can also, I like that can also explain the pelvis being so well cleaned. Like you have a lot of fish in the rivers, you have a lot of activity, a lot of microbiology, like things. You would be amazed at how fast something rots in a desert, in a a, a swampy or wet, humid environment, especially in water things get desiccated very quickly. Mm-hmm. We use water to decay bone. Uh, when we have like animal parts that we're trying to collect the skulls from and stuff, we put it in water because it's such a fast acting and clean acting solution. If it gets washed up on shore, it gets quickly beach, uh, bleached very fast. Mm-hmm. So I'd be interested to see where the like analysis of was, was there a line on the bone? Was there this or that? That is something I can't remember right yeah, now. I, I really feel like it was as something they... I haven't seen whether it was or wasn't. I've just seen they analyzed there were no tool marks on the bone. Yeah, yes, yeah. there up. wasn't sign yeah. of animals feeding on them anyway, yeah, which no I was like, I don't marks, know. No Again, if they're sunk bodies, though. Yeah. That's, and like you, like these are parts and they're feet. And there's, yeah. there's something to say about that. You look at all the floating feet of British Columbia mm-hmm. and Vancouver and Washington State. That's because the shoe themselves is buoyant and so when the body finally detaches from desiccation Mm -hmm. and degradation the shoe floats Mm -hmm. and so it makes sense that they would find the foot bones Mm -hmm. if they were still attached to a boot because that would float down river more effectively than a torso definitely yeah they found the foot in the shoe there you go so like that's what i'm getting at is it makes perfect sense that this body got flowed down river i'm just more concerned about what got them into that river? 
like what brought yeah. the point what caught like we're not ever going to know the cause of death what happened to chris's head yeah i really think it was the monkey bridge though i really think she she fell off the monkey bridge those things are so unstable if you don't know what a monkey bridge is it's basically you're walking across a rope a rope <laughs> yeah yeah it's like three ropes one to yeah. walk on two to hold yeah and, and like shortly after that day away. was when she couldn't access her phone like she so it was clear it was very clear and i think we can all agree that she was dead mm-hmm. and that lizanne lived a few days longer i think she lived about 12 days before the last login or the last power on of the and she must have stayed within range of the body for both parts to get into the same deposit area mm-hmm. like you couldn't have gone to another mountain range and somebody get washed to the same spot on the river I'm, I'm just surprised that after her friend died, she didn't record anything. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that really surprises me. And it's so heartbreaking that I think they lived longer than the search party for them uh, was yeah. looking. Yeah. But yeah, those those black black photos, I really think they were trying to flash to alert the search parties. Like those, bo- oh, yeah. those two things I, I think I know are true. The rest of it, I don't know. I can at least believe them. It's, yeah. it's a plausible and more yeah. than likely possible yeah, a lot of people were saying that they were using the flash to light their way, but I don't know if you've ever used a flash to try and to see. Try and see. It doesn't you, you work. You attempt two or three times. Yeah, and the, not yeah. 80 times. No. 80 times is like you hear flares. That's going for one, you. two, three, pause. One, yeah. two, three, trying to get. They also said that they might have been wa- trying to ward off predators. I mean, you flash. got Jaguar there. Yeah. I don't know how effective a flash is at scaring off a Jaguar. Yeah. I don't know if you'd even know a jaguar is stalking you to ward it off with flash. Yeah, yeah. That too, but my, also you wouldn't get 80 shots. <laughs> if, <laughs> if it doesn't work, if it worked, you'd get about 10 and it would bugger off. If it doesn't work, you get two, right? Like the cat would be on you it, or it'd be buggering off. It wouldn't stand around for 80 shots. So I'm more inclined to believe that they were trying to signal for rescue. I believe yeah. that. Yeah. I can definitely believe that. Yeah. The body's getting washed down. I can see the monkey bridge, but what about the damn pack? The backpack is really the thing yeah. in the story that yeah. makes it... It, it takes it from a, a tragic accident to something darker. Sinister, yeah. I have another question. Um, for... So, another question I have is... We're talking about the creepy guy, the guy that gave them vibes. Mm-hmm. Is that because they told their foster family? Their, their, how do we know about this person? You know, I can't remember who specifically they told that he was. He was. Um, and who was he again? Was he the guide, or was he, he was, just a guy they bumped into? He was somebody they bumped mm. into, but he was also a tour guide in the area. So he was offering to give them a very inexpensive guided trip to the cloud forest, taken back to a ranch he owned in the back country, you know, show them around there, give them a, a very inexpensive tour of all these things. And was he the one that came back the next day to their foster house and asked where they were? Yeah, because yeah, they okay. didn't show up for the tour they booked. <clears throat> right. And also, I can't remember, I wish I could find this right now, but th- there was also allegations against him about being really creepy with other female tourists in the area. Okay. Yeah, <clears throat> which we don't want to speculate about someone's intentions. I mean, yeah. but yeah. that's the thing. I want to stereotype, but then when you go to South America, so like people kind of can be pretty pushy sometimes. Because they're trying, trying to, to sell living. you. Yeah, they're trying yeah. to 
not take no for an answer just to make that sale kind of thing. When I arrived in Colombia, we had 17 cab drivers yelling at us over each other and trying to like shove each other out of the way just to get us out of the airport. Yeah. And like, I, I don't know if I've ever told you this story, Caleb, but when I went to Europe, it was very much that way. Um, as a 19 year old traveling Europe, I had two random street sellers in France grab me and kiss me right on the lips. No idea who these guys were. And it was just their way of you trying to minor, sell me something. I was 19. Oh, okay. Not officially a minor. 19, Still but... freaking creepy regardless of age. Freaking creepy. And to this day, I regret not giving them each a solid punch in the dick. <laughs> More power to you for doing that. Life lessons. Days, right? Ladies, punch for the dick. <laughs> you mess with the chick, you get punch in the dick. So... Emily trains in Krav Maga, if you haven't figured nice. that out. <laughs> so there's a lot of questions I have. There's going to be a lot of questions. I can see why this left you messed up for, for just researching this like you did. I, I'm honestly concerned at considering doing it myself, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. It's a rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. yeah. It is. Um, are there any other outlying theories of other investigations of what may have happened? There was a theory about like drug cartels, you but we already that. kind of yeah, mentioned yeah. that a little bit. So there was the the tour guide, yep, the drug cartels, and then just An a accident. freak accident, and we don't that doesn't explain the photo in the backpack and the backpack, yeah, yeah. There has also been a lot of discussion, especially by the girls' families, about the initial search and rescue effort mm -hmm. by the government of Panama. Um, there are a lot of allegations back and forth that the search was not adequately conducted by the government of Panama and the people who were involved, that it was not large enough, that it was disorganized, mm -hmm. that it didn't cover the right areas, and that potentially opportunities to rescue these girls was lost. So mm -hmm. I think that's one of the main sort of tragedies of this situation, if true. And I hate to admit this or hate to mention this, that's a very common theme with missing peoples when their bodies are recovered and they find like time of death was during the search when the people were in that area or anything like that. Search and rescue get blamed a lot for that. I don't want to just paint the Panamanian search and rescue as being inadequate. That's an allegation. That's a claim. It can be very true, but search and rescue, they, at least in Western United States that I know Sartec and Canada where I know a lot of Sartec, we and they take it very seriously, even if it looks inadequate. There was a shit ton of effort. Mm -hmm. We're talking about a wild part of a jungle region with a lot of mountains, a lot of rivers. Mm -hmm. You can't expect any developing country or even mostly developed country to be able to pull that off with very little information. Like There's very little information for where these girls went. I think like the local town absolutely took it to heart and took yeah. it very seriously and that's part of the problem I think you mentioned on our live stream with Nikki is there were probably quite a lot of untrained yep. searchers out there desperately looking for these ladies. Yeah. And I it's it was a clusterfuck the search and rescue mm -hmm. mission because you know the Panamanian government told the locals who knew the area which the search and rescue people did not, and that is very well proven, that they told them not to go searching for them, which I know there are several reasons why they would tell them that, but 
step one, that's a major fuck up to me. And then also the fact that it took them four days to, to start searching for them. Yeah, that's looking really bad on StarTech. Regardless of what kind of StarTech they have, that it should be fairly immediate. Um, in Ontario, there's like missing person policies on like if they're in a town, search and rescue is going to go diving right in. They got to have the families involved. They got to have the police involved explicitly. If it's in a wilderness setting, we're pretty much expecting to go in within the first 12 hours mm -hmm. if something happens. Yeah. If we are knowledgeable that someone has not returned when they're supposed to, SARTEC is ready to initiate within the first 12 hours, usually. Mm -hmm. um, this is a this is an unsolved for a reason. Mm -hmm. Like there's so little information. Like what are there any other theories of what happened to them? Oh, there's also the theory about how the Panamanian government covered up the serial killings or potentially the drug involvement because they didn't want to lose tourism money to Panama. Um, I know we talked about this in the Love Pass episode. Uh, there is some murmuring because it was uh, an indigenous woman from Panama who found the backpack near an indigenous uh, community. There, there have been allegations that maybe her family was involved, that it was because the trail that they were on was often used by indigenous people traveling something there. But again, there's, there's no evidence of that. And I mean, honestly, if you've murdered someone, you're not going to pack up their backpack neatly and take it to the police going, herb derp, look what I found. You're going to light it on fire or toss it in the river. That's a that's a trophy scenario where you're then trying to put up an interesting red herring because they put mm -hmm. it in a different direction mm -hmm. of where the bodies were found, all that kind of stuff. But this is like, I want to make this very clear to folks. Like, anytime you hear allegations toward the indigenous populace in an area for what happened, this is not Green Inferno. It's right. racism. It's mm -hmm. 100% mm -hmm. racism. There is so little evidence of any tribes folk from any part of the world being the main agitators or the main villains in most of these stories. Except so. for that one island where they like shoot arrows at you if you come near it. No, and that's honestly, a different story altogether. That's not that's not malice, that's defense. And yeah, I was going to say honestly, I support them. They're they're if I could just shoot arrows at anybody coming around my house at this time of year, maybe I would. Social distancing champions 2020. <laughs> well, in, in, in this investigation as well, you can't always count anyone out. Yeah. But you don't just demonize someone right no. away. But that doesn't mean you can't just like count them out. Okay. No, you have to take, all, to you have to take in all suspects 100%. But I'm saying you can't immediately be like, well, they live there because the damn Indians exactly. or the damn right. Africans yeah. or the damn Australians. Yeah. It's, it's just cover all your bases. Yeah, there's a lot of people that do that. I, I think there's some kind of idea that indigenous peoples of each area where these cases happen, they're considered primitive and dangerous mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, have ulterior motives that include murdering people which is such a, a, a it's not even based on anything that is part of truth it's it has no basis it's just based on people's prejudice and their fears on that note i want to just bring up a few things um 
since it's Halloween, we're always talking about all the weird, spooky things. We might as well bring up one other one that's that comes in with the whole like idea of ignoring the indigenous peoples, but also demonizing. Uh, first off, amazing documentary out there called Captive, which is talking about the actual propaganda against North American indigenous people during the colonial periods of the United States and Canada when they were British colonies, where they frequently made indigenous people sound like they were going to torture their captives treat them like snot and just violate their bodies and all this stuff and it turns out there's no evidence supporting any of that <laughs> so much so that it turns out that it sounds like most of that was just propaganda to scare you into staying in your colony and if it starts to fail don't go live with the native folk on that note since we're talking about halloween did you hear what just recently finally got concluded roanoke it took them that fucking long to figure out what everybody fucking knows. Oh, it's the greatest. It's the greatest. So you ever heard of Roanoke, Brian? Roanoke is the lost colony of a British colony that was down on the American, uh, not the southeast, but the central east coast. And it was a colony that they were deposited there by a ship. The ship then left. It was supposed to come back at a certain time. It didn't make it back at that certain time. And when the next ship came over, there's no one left in the colony. And this mysterious word, Croatoan was carved into posts and doors. And people love to build this up into this, like all these different mysterious ways that they could have gone missing. All the while, there's a tribe nearby called the Croatoan Nation. And when they went over and asked them about the native, uh, about where their British uh, citizens went, the English speaking native people said, never heard of them, don't know what happened to them. And the indigenous people of the region have for years, for centuries now, been saying, yeah, they got adopted into the tribe, and they lived amongst them. That's why there's so many light-skinned Croatoan and all that. I think I totally told you about this. And it was only like a week and a half ago that archaeologists and anthropologists have finally confirmed from all their research, the natives have been telling the truth the whole damn time. <laughs> there is no mystery to Roanoke. The British citizens were not being treated well by the British by their British leaders of their sovereign. They weren't getting the support they needed, so they went to the people that knew how to live there, and they decided just to stay there. Why, why, why would I want to keep going back and pay taxes? That's the main reason. You can't make people pay taxes if they're not your people anymore. Mm -hmm. So the propaganda of making it sound like the indigenous peoples of the Americas would torture and violate their captives is bullshit, and it was just propaganda to keep them paying their taxes and staying in the colonies. So stop demonizing indigenous peoples from around. Stop demonizing other humans. How about that of any ethnic group? Stop demonizing people. Now, that doesn't mean that there's not terrible people out there, but not terrible groups of people. So I still think there was malice in this case. I don't know what kind of malice it was. I don't know if it led to a murder per se, but it could have definitely led to the death. And the question is how far? What do you got to say there, Nick? I was just going to wrap it up and just sure. ask if anybody else has any theories or anything they want to add before I just say my final piece. No, I think that's, uh, I think it's mostly been said. Yeah, anything else would just be speculation. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Most of this has been speculation. Yeah. There's yeah, so little evidence. Thing, but yeah. I don't want to just be making up theories. <laughs> <laughs> aliens! Yeah. It's aliens! I don't want to say it was aliens, <laughs> but it was aliens. aliens. I mean, technically, they were the aliens in this case. They're not from that country, so there were aliens involved. Okay. Just not the same way that we expect. Yeah, so basically, two beautiful young women who had their whole lives ahead of them disappeared in the Panamanian forest, and 
you know, it was a complete and utter tragedy. And regardless of what happened to them, you know, it's really, really sad case that has a lot of mysteries still to it. And I think a lot of people think that the case is solved, the case is closed, but there's a lot of evidence to support the, the opposite of that. So I hope that everybody in their family is okay. And, you know, one day the case gets solved for them and for myself to like sleep at night <laughs> again. Yeah. Well, I'm not going to be sleeping well tonight because of this story. I'm going to be definitely Googling a lot of stuff and potentially trying to find that video from the Netherlands. Um, I want to, th- or from Panama. Yeah. Uh, I might go to Panama. I don't. I don't think I look like a little Dutch woman, so I think I can potentially not look as their. If it's a serial killer, I at least don't look like their target. So, uh, I want to thank Nikki first and foremost for this amazing story. I want to thank Emily with the support work and the and the logistics on this and make sure that all the facts were there. Ryan himself also doing all the research and all thank three you of you. Being quiet. <laughs> hey, you were throwing in facts too and, and points of interest. It, it, all three of you have been really great. This is uh, this is the first time we've well, the second time now that we've had more than two people in total on a podcast. So having four people here playing the game of putting a hand up, make sure everybody gets their say, make sure we don't interrupt each other too much. I want to thank all three of you for the patience you've had for this. I want to thank all of our listeners as well. We will be coming back next week with episode three of the Halloween series special. All right, folks, we're here at the end of the episode. I want to thank all of you for tuning in yet again. This has been a great big project of ours that we've been working on for a month and a half now since early September, getting this all put together. And I'm really hoping you're enjoying it as much as we've been enjoying doing it. With that being said, I got to thank Nikki, Emily, and Rye, the Adventure Guy, once again for joining me here in the dungeon to record this special episode. Um Without them, this wouldn't have happened. I the, the story of the missing hikers of the Panamanian jungle is such a huge story, and I have no actual information about it myself. So this was a huge moment for me to learn about a missing case, a missing person's case that is creepy, eerie, spooky, and everything else that's great for Halloween time. I also want to give a shout out to our supporters over on Patreon, specifically Paul McCarney, Sarah Q, Sammy T., Brad Pruel and Martin Heidinga. Those five folks and many others on Patreon have been helping keep the lights on here in the Canadian Bushcraft Dungeon, in the bunker, uh, and keep this podcast flowing and keep this podcast moving. Without them and without all of you great supporters and listeners, we could not keep this happening. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. Truly, genuinely, thank you. The final person I want to give a shout out to is Winston Boudreaux, the composer of the songs you're hearing at the beginning and the end of each of our Halloween episodes. Winston I've known since we were six or seven years old, and he truly is a master of his craft when it comes down to music. As you can tell by the songs, they speak for themselves. So thank you again, Winston. This music has been amazing, and I love having it. I'm playing it even when it's not around time for work on the podcast. I'm playing it over metal. I'm playing it over all my other music that I usually do play. I'm playing these songs because I love them so, so much. They're just the perfect atmosphere for spooky stories. And on that subject of spooky stories, episode three next weekend is coming out. And it's me and Nikki telling Rye, the adventure guy, a bunch of scary stories from around the campfire. Our favorite stories, we've got them bolted down here. My favorite victim down here in the dungeon, Rye, can't escape us. 
and we're going to just tell him as many scary stories about everything from potential serial killers running loose with a knife in the woods to an axe that seems to move completely on its own volition. And even my favorite ones, all the strange and spooky happenings of the infamous Camp Mud. That's all coming up in episode three of this Halloween special next weekend. And with all that being said and done, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And we're going to leave you now with the song Perfect Organism by Winston Boudreaux.